This is Tom Schreiber, and you're listening to Pro Lacrosse Talk. Tom Schreiber. Snyder with scores! Now scores! Paul Rabel splits two and scores! Kylie O'Miller showing off those shifty skills. Kelly, not shy, bounces one home! What a start! Welcome to the Pro Lacrosse Talk podcast. I'm Hutton, he's Adam. Together we have all the latest news from all your favorite professional lacrosse leagues. We're here with one of the stars of the Premier Lacrosse League and National Lacrosse League, Tom Schreiber. Tom is a member of the Team USA that went on to win the gold medal at the World Championship in 2018. Tom played at Princeton University where he was a Tigers all-time leading scorer from the midfield with 200 points and a four-time USILA All-American, winning the McLaughlin Award as the nation's most outstanding midfielder in his junior and senior seasons. Professionally, Tom has also earned multiple MVPs, a Rookie of the Year honor, and professional championship. He currently plays for the Archers Lacrosse Club in the PLL and Toronto Rock in the NLL. Tom, thank you for joining us today. No, of course. I'm excited. Thanks for having me. All right, Tom, just to get started, tell us about, you know, your committing to Princeton and uh, walk us through the process that saw you, you know, initially recruited by legendary Princeton coach Bill Tierney. Uh, he eventually left for Denver, um, so you ultimately ended up with uh, coach Chris Bates, who is ironically now your coach with the Archers. Tell me a little bit about what drew you to play lacrosse at Princeton. How was it reuniting with your college coach on the Archers? Yeah, for sure. So that's uh, going back a ways now, you know, kind of quietly like become a vet professional across so they the recruiting process was quite a while at this point or quite a while ago i should say at this point but um you know i i come from a big lacrosse family and always knew that i wanted to play uh college lacrosse and i'm probably one of the few that always dreamed of playing professionally as well um so the, the recruiting process was you know a ton of fun for me and super interesting for me because i was you know for lack of a better term just you know a complete lax rat as a kid and you know, watched a ton of lacrosse, and you know, our family vacation every year was going to championship weekend, usually in Baltimore, you know, sometimes in Philly, and then in Boston. But for me, I always knew I wanted to go to the best, you know, academic institution I could go to, while giving myself the best opportunity to go compete for a national championship. Um, so in, in Princeton, you know, at the time, um, Coach Tierney had just brought in the number one recruiting class, which was two years. In front of me, with the likes of Tyler Fiorito and uh, Chad Weedmeyer, Jonathan Myers, John Cunningham, um, Mike Chaninchuk, a couple other um, studs. So at that point, in you know, kind of evaluating my options, you know, I had a hard time finding a better place than Princeton um, academically. I know I'm biased as a grad nowadays, but um, that was always important. Um, and you know, while I was being recruited, you know, it seemed like the place that would you know, give me a great opportunity to go all the way. And um, unfortunately, we didn't have the opportunity to do that, um, or we didn't, you know, seize the opportunity, I should say, to uh, accomplish that while I was there in four years. But um, it's one of the best decisions I've made in my life. I had a phenomenal experience, met incredible people, and, you know, challenged myself and got exposed to things that I never thought um, I'd ever be exposed to. So um, the second part of your question, reuniting with Coach Bates, um, has been incredible because I think, you know, him and I, uh, the first time we had met, I think it was the day or two days after he got the job at Princeton, um, came to my house on Long Island, met my family, and, you know, spent, you know, two or three hours, I remember, you know, drawing up little offenses on the newspaper and on our coffee table and all that good stuff. So it was a, you know, it was a great fit, you know, from day one. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think I really uh, wavered at all in terms of, you know, decommitting from Princeton or anything like that but um, you know he's certainly 
you know, firmed up my decision to, you know, stay with Princeton. And, you know, it, we had a great four years together. But I think, you know, we were both on the same page in that, you know, the goal was to, to go win a national championship. And, um, frankly, we didn't, we didn't come all that close. So to have an opportunity to kind of team up again at the professional level, um, you know, it w- was, has been incredible to this point. Um, you know, when I saw that, you know, there was an opportunity that we play together and, you know, knew that there was some interest on his side um, to coach in PLL and given his experience, you know, playing in the NLL and just being really all over the place and in, in lacrosse as a player and a coach. And, you know, I think it was just a great fit. So, you know, it's been a, a fantastic opportunity, hopefully for both sides, but definitely, you know, for me. That's awesome. So you talked a bit, a bit about your, your family vacations, the final four weekend and all of that. And I'm assuming a lot of that has to do with your dad. And, you know, he was a legend at Maryland being a part of that 73 championship. How has he really influenced you as a lacrosse player, overall athlete, and, and also a leader? A, a, t- a ton. Uh, there, there's a number of different ways I could go with this, but you touched on his background a bit. Um, you know, he was you know, as accomplished of a player as you could have been, um, you know, especially back in, in the 70s, and, mm-hmm. you know, played on world teams, and was player of the year, won a championship, and, um, you know, you know, aside from that, has just been a phenomenal coach, you know, the last you know, 25, 30 years, so I was super lucky to have, you know, to have him by my side as a lacrosse player since I was super young, you know, training with him, you know, playing up. Uh, playing on his teams my whole life, lacrosse, football, basketball. <laughs> I think he coached a year of baseball. Um, so, you know, I was, we, were all, we were always really tight. And, and I think the, the couple of messages that he really preaches to everybody, um, you know, are something that was, you know, obviously hammered home for me, you know, year in and year out. And, and I think, you know, had a huge impression on me. And a lot of it's just centered around, um, you know, doing extra work and, and, and making sure that um, you're over-prepared for your games and you're always learning and you're never really satisfied. So, um, you know, that's persisted into today. You know, I'd be lying if I said that he's not still coaching me up um, now at 27 years old. So um, it, it's been a huge advantage for me, you know, in the lacrosse, in the lacrosse world. But, you know, he's also been, you know, a, a tremendous father for me my whole life and has always put family first. And now that I am getting a little older and, you know, because, you know, for, yeah. for lack of a better you know, way of putting it, becoming a man, you know, I think you know, learning from him in that sense and seeing how he's carried himself and how he's put our family first and, and his children before anything, it's been, uh, you know, I, I think I'll continue to learn from him off the field, you know, for for as long as uh, for as long as we're both around. So um, it, it's been an incredible kind of duo, and um, you know, I couldn't couldn't be more thankful for him. Me and Adam both come from lacrosse families as well, and you know I think that family aspect of lacrosse is something unique to the sport. Um, so it's great that you were able to you know follow in your father's footsteps and you know play at the college level, and now you're playing professionally. Um, and going off of that, I, I want to talk about your unique playing style because you're one of the five players in the Ivy League history and the only midfielder um, to have at least 100 goals and 90 assists in your career. And I think that's kind of telling to you know how you really kind of transform the midfielder position because. You know, we, we kind of tend to think of um, the midfielders as these workhorses that just go up and down the field. Um, but you've really, you know, developed not only as a, a goal scorer, but as a feeder. Um, and you have tremendous vision on the field. And you kind of quarterback, um, you know, that, that offense uh, for the archers. So how have you developed this unique playing style? And was there any, you know, kind of influence? Was it your father or any coach that kind of, 
you know, influenced you uh, in your specific style? Uh, I, I think so. I think there, there's probably a number of, th- of things there. I think from a young age, my dad, you know, really in all sports, you know, always preached just being difficult to cover um, and being able to um, you know, be successful in a number of different ways. So in other, in other words, be versatile um, and, and be dangerous in a number of different ways. So, you know, I grew up as a point guard in basketball, as a triple option quarterback in football. Um, so I, I had a ton of you know, experience just kind of analyzing defenses and kind of um, being a facilitator and, and more of a distributor. You know, I think in, in hoops, I was definitely more of a, an assist man and you know, kind of drive to the hoop and either, you know, try to finish it laying, laying it up or, or dish it to someone else. And then um, in football, I think, you know, like a lot of other lacrosse players, Ryan Boyle comes to mind, um, you know, the, that triple option, you're – there's a pre-snap read where you're counting the defense and you know telling your team which way we're going. Um, then you're reading body language and movement of a, a D tackle um, in a split second, and then right after that you're making another decision whether to you know run the ball or, or pitch the ball. So I think a lot of you know my approach to lacrosse is kind of you know based in that. You know I think a lot of what I'm doing out there is kind of reading body language and trying to anticipate where defenders will be and anticipate where my teammates will be. You know, and I think that's also been a bit heightened, you know, as a feeder, just because I've had you know, great players around me really my whole career. So, you know, having Mike McDonald for three years at, at Princeton and, you know, playing with Marcus Holman really my whole professional career, guys that are just really opportunistic and that can put the ball in the back of the net. And I think, you know, over time, I, I realized I, you know, kind of had a knack for it. And, you know, if we're trying to score goals, I'm going to give the ball to, you know, someone who puts it in. Yeah. quite a lot so I think playing with guys like that and just kind of being used to you know analyzing while you know attacking I, I think that's uh you know where that's kind of come from and where it's rooted oh that's awesome and kind of going off of that playing style you know you'll be entering your fourth season now uh with the uh Toronto Rock in the NLL how is kind of the indoor game kind of shaped how you are as a, a field player and, and what has that kind of transition like been from field to box yeah, so I, I think it's just, you know, added new layers to, to mm-hmm. kind of my field game. And I think that's, you know, an, an, an advantage for someone who is, you know, particularly the, the youth kids, you know, that are trying to take their game to the next level. There are just skills in there that you, you know, you're forced to develop. So being comfortable with, with bodies around you and, you know, getting used to that pace and being able to operate in small spaces with and without the ball and uh, being pretty gritty and obviously nowhere to hide in those small spaces and um, getting used to physicality, getting used to speed, as I mentioned. So I I think all of that, you know, I I would hope has affected my field game in a number of ways, just kind of getting, being a bit more comfortable and absorbing contact and, um, you know, being able to release the ball a bit quicker and, you know, fit the ball in smaller spaces, whether it's shooting um, or feeding. And then just in in general, you know, going into the, the box game has been, you know, a pretty, a pretty cool journey for me. You know, I, I think it's pretty rare that, um, you know, in my case, I, I think I was either 24 or 25 when I first started playing. And um, I think it's rare to jump into something entirely new at the highest level it's played at, you know, an, an older age. So I think sure. like when you're starting a sport, you're usually a kid. Uh, not that box across and field across are so different that they're not the same sport. But sure. in, in my mind, they, they are very very different so i think i had 
you know, that experience was, was interesting. I had never been to Canada before. It was the first time I had been up there and um, just kind of got thrown into the fire, which, you know, for me was, was intimidating at first and frustrating at first and continues to be frustrating at times. But uh, just in terms of that experience and going through that challenge and, you know, having to figure it out and lean on people and becoming a part of an entirely new organization, having a new group of teammates, um, you know, it's been amazing. So I, I, I love what we have in Toronto. You know, I think the goal, like everyone else, is to go win a championship. I've been lucky to be part of a few championship teams, you know, post-college. And, you know, I think in Toronto in particular, we have, you know, every piece that we need. And, you know, I couldn't be more excited for the next few years. So it's been a, an amazing ride. And, you know, hopefully just the beginning for me in the box across world. You know, no, that's awesome. I mean, it's amazing that you've been able to make the jump, uh, you know, so seamlessly. I mean, you were Rookie of the Year your first year, but I know you actually struggled with um, some injuries early on when you first joined the NLL. I think you, you partially tore your PCL. I actually had a similar injury uh, that sidelined me for a little bit my senior year, um, and I know what it kind of takes to, you know, it takes a lot of patience to, to heal that injury. Walk me through your experience coming back from that injury and, um, you know, how's that helped you take further care of your body as you um, you get older in your, your career? Yeah, so it was, it was year two. Uh, we were about halfway through our season and, um, you know, felt something happen in my leg. You know, we weren't really sure what, what was going on. Doctors, you know, after the game said it's you know, potentially an ACL, which was scary, you know, mainly because this was, um, you know, the same year that the World Games were coming around. So this was, this was last winter and um, you know, obviously those, those world games are something I've been dreaming about my whole life. And, you know, the four years finally worked out where I'd have a legitimate chance at making the team. And, um, you know, so the injury was, was a little scary. Thankfully, you know, after getting it checked out, it gave me, you know, about a two month timeline, no surgery. We had a partial tear, um, in the PCL and it was the sort of thing where you kind of just strengthen the right areas, rest it, you know, and you should be all right. Uh, I did find coming back in, in box, it came back in, you know, I think eight or 10 weeks, um, you know, felt relatively normal and then struggled, you know, coming out and playing with Ohio and MLL. Um, I think it was just different mechanics, right? You're, you're running, you know, further distances and kind of striding out a little bit in MLL, um, or field the thrust versus box across. So I struggled, ended up having to shut it down and kind of, you know, just get treatment every day to, to, you know, pray that I'd be ready to go for Israel. Thankfully, we were able to do that. Um, it kind of got through and um, decided to get a little cleanup surgery uh, here in the fall. But um, to your point, you know, the injury thing is tough. I've uh, I've been pretty lucky in my career. I've had a couple injuries, a couple surgeries that, you know, I've always kind of been able to wait after a season so that these last two years were the the most games i've ever missed um which is hard you know just from a mental standpoint not being able to be out there and uh, it gets frustrating especially when you've like committed your life to playing a sport um, and then not being able to do it you know is pretty painful so uh, i tried to kind of channel all that into just being you know proactive and productive around my rehab and um, doing the right things and strengthening the right areas i've been you know, very lucky to have um, a ton of support from the PT side to, you know, the strength and conditioning side to just, you know, the care that we've had mm-hmm. uh, really at all the teams that I've had, you know, just from a team doc and trainer standpoint. So, um, you know, just, you know, follow directions and made sure I did all the workouts and, 
um, all the right rehab routines. And, you know, thankfully, since that, that surgery, I uh, haven't had any issues in the box season this year or thus far um, in field. So it's definitely a challenge, but something, um, you know, that thankfully we were able to kind of overcome and, you know, hopefully learn a few you know, kind of life lessons as a result. That's awesome. So moving on to some, some happier side things with, with the, the outdoor game and the, the PLL, could you talk us through uh, when Paul Rabel kind of approached you about starting the new league and, and why it appealed to you and kind of uh, what, what were your thoughts on joining it as a player and obviously as an employee of the league as well? I mean, it was, uh, it was really interesting. It's not something that you'd ever think would happen. Um, sure. And it was a few years ago at this point, so I, I did know Paul a little bit. You know, it wasn't like he was, uh, it wasn't someone I didn't know. But at, at the same time, it still came out of nowhere. Like, I remember it was him and, and Mike Rabel, his brother, and co-founder of PLL, said, hey, we want to discuss an opportunity with you. And, you know, I, I, I figured it was it was a camp or something like that. Yeah. I, you know, no idea of the scope of this thing. And, um, you know, at first I think I, I was pretty skeptical, you know, um, and then, you know, the more I talked with Paul and Mike, the more, you know, I kind of understood their vision and, sure. you know, understood what they're trying to accomplish with lacrosse. And, um, you know, for me to be part of potentially growing this into something bigger, um, you know, was really attractive. And, and the opportunity to you know, kind of work in, you know, growing this business and, and being a part of you know, building it, I think was something that was also really attractive to me. So, um, you know, hear, hearing kind of the, the, the grand plan to grow this thing, the opportunity to get some more eyeballs on the cross um, was really attractive, not from a, Oh, I want to go play in front of thousands of people because you know, I do for sure. But the driving force really at the end of the day was to just take this game that, has been such a big part of my life um, and put it in front of as many people as you know we can in the best light possible and hope that as a result the entire game becomes more mainstream um, you know and if you really break it down into a few sentences you know for me personally um, I love this game it's my favorite thing in the world to do it's been the biggest part of my life um, for my entire life and the opportunity to build something that could potentially grow this game, you know, into a mainstream sport alongside somebody that I idolized growing up um, was something that I couldn't pass out. So um, that was kind of the decision process for me. And, you know, as this has grown and, you know, it's been, there's been a few pretty surreal moments to see, you know, people in the stands and to see this thing on NBC sports and to see everyone come together from, you know, teams and logos and all that stuff, you know, to kind of see that stuff yeah. originate on a, uh, you know, a document on my laptop into <laughs> it becoming a reality has been, uh, has been pretty amazing. And, uh, yeah. it's been, it's been a thrilling ride thus far. And, you know, I'm sure at some point, you know, I'll be able to look back on all this and, and really appreciate it, um, to its fullest. It's something I'm grateful for day to day. Um, but candidly, my main focus at the moment is, uh, you know, to start getting back in the, in the wind column with the archers. Sure. Uh, so it's, uh, it's an interesting, it's an interesting dynamic kind of wearing both hats, but, um, you know, it's been, it's been something that's been really fulfilling and, 
you know, really couldn't be more excited about the whole thing. I think what you guys are doing is great, and I talked to Paul and uh, you know Mike, and they they both are taking a very um, innovative approach to it. You know, they're really going from the ground up. Uh, they're you know not starting with any uh, preconceived notions, and I think that's really been big. You know, whether it be the touring model or you know the deal with NBC Sports and all the content you're putting out. But uh, you want to get back in the win column with the lacrosse. So let's talk the lacrosse side. I mean, obviously a disappointing record for your archers starting out. 2-0 and then now dropping four straight uh, by, you know, a goal each game. Um, how have your teammates and you you've been able to regroup during this uh, all-star break and uh, refocus on tackling, you know, the final four games of the season? Given the schedule, it's 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 more of an opportunity, I think, than a break. And I think we're all on that same page. You know, if you, if you break it down, it's it's really three weeks in between those games. So it, you can make serious strides forward, whether it's, you know, your conditioning or just even your game to your – you know, preparation in terms of watching film or whatever else. So um, I, I think the beauty of our team is we have a very, very solid locker room. We have a very good group of teammates, very good group of guys who are all, you know, pretty like-minded. So, you know, no one is okay with us losing four straight, especially by one goal, because, you know, at the end of the day, these one-goal games, it's, you know, one or two plays that, that make or break the game. So I think we have a lot of guys on our team that kind of pride themselves in, in, in making the right plays, playing smart, playing really tough. So th- those 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 losses sting a bit more. So I, I don't think anyone has lost any confidence by any stretch. You know, these games are extremely close, like most games in PLL. So, you know, it's a big opportunity for us. You know, we're in fourth place right now. One thing that, you know, keeps coming to mind is that it doesn't really matter how you get to the playoffs as long as you get in. Um, so we're not stressing too much about, hey, we got to win every single game. We've got to hope this and this happens. Um, we're just trying to you know, put our best game out there every time we go out there. And, um, you know, we feel pretty confident it'll be enough. You know, I think there are a few um, schematic changes and little, little things that we'll, you know, kind of unveil going forward. But you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's just about making that, you know, one or two more plays that I alluded to earlier and, you know, I think given the character and kind of the makeup of this group, um, you know, I feel pretty confident that we'll be able to do so. That's awesome. So speaking of uh, kind of team connectedness and cohesion, it seemed like uh, last summer with Team USA, you guys were a really strong unit. Obviously, it ended up with uh, a gold medal around your neck, you being named outstanding midfielder of, of the games, and you scoring the winning goal against Canada in the, in the gold medal game. Um, how was that experience for you in Israel, obviously? And is that uh, kind of where the Captain America moniker kind of came from for you? Sure. Um, I'll, I'll start from the back there. So sure. the Captain America thing um, happened prior to that okay. um, in Toronto. Um, just Andy McNamara, who's the uh, one of our broadcasters for our home games, um, I guess coined it at some point. Okay. Um, you know, I, I think I've always, you know, just kind of appreciated, you know, the, the gesture and, you know, but have been, you know, I, I don't think it'll ever be something that I'll embrace. I think, you know, I, I kind of struggle with it. Um, and I understand it. Like, I understand there haven't been a ton of Americans in Toronto because they have such a deep pool of talent in the Ontario area to kind of pull from. So I get that it's unique on that team in particular. Sure. Um, but I just think I, I think there's been a ton of Americans who have uh, been really successful in the box game, and I think like you know that name you know in some ways like almost insinuates that they 
we're not. <laughs> uh, so, so that's kind of something that I've, you know, I've, I've definitely you know, shied away from a bit. So it's actually okay. com- completely unrelated to uh, playing for the U.S. team in okay. Israel. Um, but in terms of that experience um, in Israel, it, it, it was, you know, the, the result was obviously you know, a dream come true for all of us. And uh, I, I don't think I could have dreamt of a you know, more perfect scenario at the end of a game for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of those things that kind of all came together. I, I do wish that I, I buried the first shot that you know, they gave to me, you know, before that, but I'll, I'll, I'll certainly take it. Um, but you know, my main takeaway at the end of the day, you know, I'm sure that's a moment I'll never forget, but um, you know, it, it was the first time since college that we were, you know, I was part of a team that was together for, you know, two and a half, three straight weeks, mm-hmm. whatever it was. We all stayed in the same place, ate all our meals together, had team meetings, and there, there were really no distractions. So it was a really, really unique experience. And, you know, pair that with, you know, wearing the, you know, USA on your chest and, you know, the caliber of guys we had on our team, you know, obviously from a lacrosse talent standpoint, but also just from, you know, who those guys were as people and as teammates. Um, and then on top of that, having someone like Coach Janowski who understands how to build all of that um, and build team chemistry and just, you know, build trust. Um, you know, it really was really special. And then, you know, we were in such a unique place in Israel. And for it to all come together was, was truly special. And, you know, uh, but the main point, I think, for me and the main takeaway for me was just, you know, kind of observing Coach Janowski and seeing how he and, and Coach Thierry and Coach Amplo, Coach DeLuca, and really the whole U.S. staff, you know, kind of managed the team. You know, m- most of my memories are, are really back, you know, where we stayed and, you know, not, not necessarily on the field. You know, just kind of learning learning about each other and kind of coming together as a team and, you know, seeing that kind of pay dividends on field, you know, was something that, you know, I hope, I can apply to, you know, whatever else I'm doing. It doesn't have to be lacrosse, whether it's, you know, raising kids or, you know, coaching a youth team or, you know, whatever it may be. I think those were things that, you know, I really took back with me and, you know, at the end of the day are things that I really cherish. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. And, uh, I mean, just staying on the international side of the game, um, you know, lacrosse is going to be in the Olympics in less than 10 years now. How do you really see the sport growing in those 10 years? And um, how do you think the grassroots movement of the sport is really going to impact it going forward? So I, I think that's what it'll take. So I think there are, you know, obviously with things like PLL and, and college across being on TV and, and getting more exposure and being part of, you know, more mainstream you know, ways of distributing the games, whether whether that's, you know, I saw today the PLO is in New York Times. It's been on NBC. The college game is on ESPN. So I think, like, that kind of high-level approach um, is something that will always be helpful um, and something that will really drive growth to people who, you know, haven't really heard of the game. And then I think on top of that is, is, is everyone, you know, who's been part of this sport doing kind of their part in growing it. And, you know, I think everyone can contribute in different ways and think, you know, there are people that never you know, touched a lacrosse stick as a player, you know, in high school or college that you know have had huge impacts on this game. Whether it's you know starting new initiatives like Shootout for Soldiers or something like that, um, like Tyler Steinhardt did when he was you know, 18 years old, and to see what that's grown into, 
Um, I, I just think lacrosse is such a special game given its roots um, and, and really just the dynamics of the game, the speed, the physicality, uh, the pace, the, you know, the fact that you know, anyone of any size can play. You know, if they kind of maximize their creativity or their IQ, I think. Um, it, it's just I, I've loved it for a long time, and I think um, its appeal um, will show itself once it's you know kind of revealed to people in the right way. And I think you know at the end of the day, the, the biggest hurdle is kind of getting over some stereotypes that this this game has been associated with for a bit. Um, you know, and and I think in you know I, th- I think a lot of that is is overblown, but I think a lot of them are are somewhat true. So I think it's it's kind of being about. Um, you know, in leaders in this sport at the you know, professional level or you know, coaches at collegiate level, and, you know, as that trickles down, I think it's just kind of about carrying yourself the right way and, you know, highlighting you know, what this sport's really about. And, you know, that's kind of toughness and grit and athleticism and kind of doing the right thing um, off the field. So I think, you know, that's kind of a long-winded, like, stream of consciousness kind of, you know, perspective on the whole thing. But I think, you know, those are kind of, you know, how I feel about, you know, this game, it's very special to me. And I think in order for it to really grow, I think, you know, groups like the PLL and, you know, blasting this out to audiences, you know, that haven't really been exposed to the game. And then, you know, once people are, you know, somewhat interested in seeing, you know, who people in lacrosse and what the, the game of lacrosse is really all about and, you know, having people carry themselves the right way and be welcoming really to everyone. And um, I think that's, you know, kind of the recipe for growth here. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I think that's, you know, a great outlook on the, the game. Um, you know, we really do have to show that lacrosse is a sport for everybody, you know, and I think what you guys are doing, traveling to these different cities, you know, not just the hotbeds, um, is, you know, great for the growth of the game. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so welcome back. Let's dive into our, our five and five real quick. I'm going to ask you the first five questions. They'll be lacrosse-related. Um, some quick answers here, and then uh, Adam will follow up with uh, five uh, questions about you know just life in general. So to start with number one, what are some pregame superstitions or routines you have? Uh, not a ton on my end. I, I like to, so I retape my stick every game. Uh, another superstition is I just find a way to, um, you know, just find every guy on our team before the game, you know, in between, you know, kind of our warm up and, um, you know, the game time, just like just a quick couple words to them, just check in with everybody before the game. I'd say those are really the only two things that I, I, I try to do before every single game. Awesome. And, uh, what is your favorite lacrosse memory, whether it be, you know, high school, college or professionally? I, I think at this point it's gotta be, uh, just winning the, winning the gold medal. Um, in Israel, just for the reasons I mentioned before, just being part of that team and, and for us to, you know, a- end up with those gold medals at the end of the day was something that was uh, was pretty incredible. Yeah, no, that's, that's excellent. Um, and then on the Archers, which of your PLL teammates do you find is the funniest? Oh, man. 
I, I could go a, a number of different ways on this one. Um, I'll, I'll give the nod to Dominique Alexander. I, I've known him since he was, since we were both, you know, 11 or 12 years old, and he's always been hilarious. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, PLL kind of giving the access that it does to, to fans and, and everyone else, it's just, uh, you kind of see what, what Dominique's all about. He's just always having fun and uh, extremely quick witted. Um, and, you know, kind of always keeping things light. So I'm going to give it to Neep. You know, I think it's excellent, you know, that we we're able to kind of see you guys uh, kind of, you know, unfiltered um, through social media. And then go- going off of that, number four is uh, who is someone in the lacrosse community that you admire or look up to, whether it's a coach, teammate, or an opponent even? Uh, again, a-, a lot of answers here, but I think, you know, especially over the last few years, Kyle Harrison, you know, he's – He's somebody that, you know, I begged for an autograph in the Final Four when I was a kid. Um, I wore his, I think, his arm pads in middle school and all that stuff. And, and, you know, to see that relationship form into a pretty close friendship um, has been pretty incredible. And I think, you know, you'd be hard-pressed to find a more popular person in the lacrosse world, and that's just for good reason. He's just, uh, you know, an incredible person, extremely smart. Uh, extremely thoughtful, nice, um, you know, extremely generous, and then um, at the end of the day, again, one of the one of the most hilarious people I've been around. So um, I'm definitely going to go with Kyle on that one. Yeah, no, that, that, that's great. Uh, I remember too. I, I had the K18 gloves. I think it was the um, their second iteration of the K18 gloves. But you know, I, I looked up to him too. Um, and I guess going off of that, the final question is, you know, what is your current lacrosse stick setup in terms of shaft head and you know the stringing of your stick? Yeah, um, so the Burn Pro Warrior uh, shaft. I just uh, I I always make an effort to go silver silver stick or silver handle blackhead. It's just uh, for me, it was a little tribute to my high school days. You know, our team was black and gold, and yeah, I kind of point to that as you know lacrosse just being a ton of fun. So that that's you know always how my stick was set up in high school, and went back to that and. and professional uh in the professional ranks and you know it's just a nice little reminder for me so i use that the burn pro uh shaft and uh i actually use the evo 4 um with two v's and two nylons across um i've always used a different iteration of the evo since i was you know in seventh or eighth grade um i call it evo a lot of people call it evo i'm not sure what warrior stance is on it so i apologize (laughs) if i'm uh if i'm butchering that yeah, I've always heard Evo. I, I mean, I, I mean, you're from Long Island. I, Adam's from Philly. I'm from uh, the D.C. metro area. So I, I don't know. I, I've always heard Evo, but uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I hope we're in the majority in that, but who, who knows? Maybe we'll have to do a poll on our social media what people think. <laughs> that, that would help. I'd love to know. I'd love to know what the official stance is. I can check with Warrior on that one, but I'd love to know what everyone out there is thinking. Yeah, no, definitely. All right, Adam, you want to take it away with uh, the life questions? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so first one, kind of going back to your Princeton days, what was your favorite class while you were in Princeton? I took a class called U.S. History from 1920 to 1974. I enjoyed it mainly just because the professor was um, ju- just incredible at delivering you know, what he was teaching. So he was just every class felt like I was you know, watching watching a movie or watching a TV show. He just he just had a, a knack for explaining it and taking us through it. And then, you know, the readings were super interesting. It was a history class. And, 
you know, required a ton of reading, but and a ton of you know discussion, analysis, and whatnot. But uh, Professor Kevin Cruz um, at Princeton, I believe, I was either a sophomore or junior. Um, it was my favorite class, probably by a long shot. Awesome. So obviously, people mostly know you uh, for your on the field success. But what kind of hobbies do you like to do or activities outside of lacrosse? I'd say a big part of my life is lacrosse at this point. You know, uh, I'll, I'll get back to an answer, but I think, you know, I play, I do some coaching, and then, you know, my my quote-unquote real job is, is working on the PLL. So it's a it's pretty lacrosse-heavy lifestyle, but uh, I'm a big stand-up comedy fan. Okay. Uh, I try to get, get to a comedy club every once in a while. Um, you know, I like music. You know, I'm, I kind of always have my headphones in, whether it's a, uh, you know, music or a podcast or, or something like that. Um, I'd say I'm always I'm always trying to learn, so I'm pretty curious with with, with that sort of thing. So, like I said, podcasts. I read a bit. Um, you know, and when I can, when I'm pretty much off Long Island, really, like I try to get a hike in. But I wouldn't say I'm like a uh, like a veteran outdoorsman or anything like that. But those are a few of the things off the field that you know kind of pique my interest at the moment. Sure, yeah, So, and you talked about Long Island there a little bit. What's your favorite thing uh, to do or place to go when you are on the island? Uh, probably the beach. I think just the proximity to the beach has always been cool. Um, there's a ton to do on Long Island. Like, There's just a lot going on. Um, I, I should just say whatever Connor Farrell said for his <laughs> Long Island thing. Uh, the pizza, the bagels, and all that stuff. But, yep. uh, I, I have a ton of family here as well, so... Uh, that aspect of it is pretty cool. You know, my yeah. mom is, is one of seven. Um, most of her siblings, you know, raised a family here on the island. So I have, I have a bunch of cousins around. Uh, my family's still around. I probably lived, you know, 25 minutes from where I grew up. And um, probably just proximity to all my family and then, and then the beach. That's awesome. So you talked a little bit uh, about kind of the, those hobbies on the side that you like to read. Are there any books that uh, you've read lately that you'd suggest uh, to a teammate or, or someone else? Uh, yeah, no, I think it, it depends on their interests. I think sure. you know, all of uh, Tim Ferriss's books are interesting. If you're looking to you know, kind of explore different ways to be productive and or you know, learn new things really about anything, just kind of optimizing you know, your strategies or whatever yeah. else. So I would, I would kind of look into anything like that You know, if I don't have like a specific – um, topic that someone's looking for, I'd, I'd probably recommend those for sure. That's awesome. I, li- I literally, actually, yesterday just got done with the four-hour work week, so we're on the same same vibe when it comes to that. That one's a life changer. And he's, yeah, a, absolutely. Uh, he's a fellow Long Islander and Princetonian, so yep. I'm hoping one day I can kind of make that connection, and I'm, I'm still you know advocating for him to get Paul uh, Rabel on his podcast. Yeah, absolutely. They he has so many interesting guests on there. I'm, I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet. So I'll, uh, I'll I'll throw some tweets and whatnot at him too to advocate for that. I think it would be a slam dunk. Like I think it makes perfect sense. So I think at some point that will happen. Yeah. Um, and when it does, hopefully they can point back to this podcast as making it happen. Absolutely. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I'm I'm a big Ferris fan too. I I listen to his podcast a lot, and um, and I've actually been reading the Four Hour Body, but uh. Yeah, it's funny that we're all on the same page with him because, you know, he's definitely influenced how I kind of take my approach to, uh, you know, work and life on the side as well. So, but uh, Adam, go ahead with the final question. Yeah, absolutely. 
easy one toss-up probably. What's your favorite meal, and do you prefer to dine in, take out, or cook at home? <laughs> um, so my, I'm, I'm laughing because most people who know me pretty well know that I'm a uh, just a huge fan of diners. So okay. I'm like uh, two, three times a week, I'm uh, breakfast at the diner solo. Usually um, it's either a, a quick film session for me or just like a, a quick way to like kind of reset you know, take some notes on, you know, the day and whatnot. So, um, definitely diner out for breakfast is my ideal, um, you know, meal. And then, you know, favorite meal is probably something seafood related. I, I kind of just love, like love everything seafood, probably some sort of like mussels starter and then, you know, probably a good fish or like a lobster tail or something on the side. Um, you know, best food I've ever had, um, was in Uganda for um, Fields of Growth back when I was in college, which eventually, you know, kind of spawned the Uganda national team. But we were, um, you know, out, you know, in, in the village for, for quite a while. And I think it was, it must have been, felt like a thousand degrees, but it was probably high 90s. And I think we, we missed breakfast or missed lunch or something. And they came out with these fresh pineapples and it was just, uh, the greatest thing that I've ever had. So I definitely have to uh, mention that and anything food related. That's awesome. So hopefully uh, when when the archers are in uh, championship weekend in Philly, you'll be able to hit up uh, Penrose Diner since that's literally right down the street from where my parents are. So that's a good one if you want to hit it up while you're in Philly during championship weekend. Oh, that's that's huge. I appreciate that. I'm, uh, I'm always open to, to diner suggestions. Kind of the grittier, the better. Yeah, like hopefully it's like it's cash only sort of place, like four or five things on the menu, like black coffee, eggs, bacon, like nothing crazy. Um, Yeah, absolutely. I don't know what it is, but I've always kind of uh, gravitated toward that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, that's great. And uh, we're going to just wrap up now uh, with one final question. Um, You kind of touched on it, you know, a little bit earlier. Not only did you have aspirations to play in college, but, you know, you also did want to be a professional lacrosse player. Um, What is some advice, Tom, that you have for – a young player looking to one day play professional lacrosse? There's a few things. So I, I think most importantly is always find a way to enjoy it. So I think there's a lot of times where someone wants something really badly um, and there's this notion out there that it, it like it has to suck. Like it has to be really hard and it has to you know, be no fun. You have to give up like everything to you know do it. And I think that's part of it. So I think sacrifice is part of you know, if you want to be a great at anything, you know, and lacrosse included, like sacrifice is included in that. But, you know, making those sacrifices fun and enjoying what you're doing, I, I think is something that I've forgotten at times in my lacrosse career and, you know, has had a negative impact as a result. So I think, you know, enjoying it. And then, you know, like my dad has always said, he's always called it an edge. Like, how are you going to get your edge? Um, and I think, you know, what that boils down to is while you're at practice or while you're training um you know giving it 100 percent and getting the most out of it and listening and doing all the right things is is checking the box so you have to do that um, and then on top of that right that's how you get good and then i think if you want to be very good great elite um it, it's what you're doing on your own it's the extra stuff and um you know committing to you know a certain process and um you know, whether that's extra work with your stick, extra conditioning, lifting, whatever it may be, um, at the end of the day, it, it's it's really just 
you know, a, a math equation. If you spend more time on it, you're efficient and you know, you're always hungry to get better and you can kind of stay committed to something for a long period of time and you know, even when you don't want to um, and find ways to enjoy doing that. You know, I think that's kind of your your winning formula if you want to you know take your game to the next level and and play at the highest level. And then I think the added part to that is, um, you know, I think every college coach in the world loves someone who who hustles, who's a great teammate, who's coachable, um, has a great attitude. So controlling things that you can control and just your attitude and effort, um, and then putting in the work to kind of develop your intangibles and and you know, the things that will make you an elite lacrosse player. So I'd say that's probably my advice for a young lacrosse player trying to take it to the next level. That's awesome. You know, that's some solid advice. Um, you know, hopefully some of our younger listeners uh, take that in because I really agree with a lot of what you said about, you know, the effort that you put in is what you kind of get out. Um, thank you again for joining us. No, this was great. I, I really appreciate it guys. And, and definitely appreciate you guys shining a light on the professional game and, you know, hopefully we can all grow this thing together, and at the end of the day, you know, Tim Ferriss will give us a shout-out someday. That sounds good to yeah, me. Definitely. We're going to hit him up for sure. All right, well, thank you so much, Tom. Take care. You got it, guys. Have a good one. So you just heard our interview with Tom. Adam and I both enjoyed interviewing him and hope that you as listeners enjoyed it too. Uh, if you did enjoy it and want to hear more exclusive interviews with professional lacrosse players, we ask you to go ahead and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and leave us a review. We'll be having a giveaway this week where anyone who reviews us, follows us on Twitter and Instagram, and leaves their handle on the review will be entered in to win a Pro Lacrosse Talk hat, which is a $25 value. So please subscribe, uh, follow, and leave us a review. Um, we are also happy to announce that going forward, we will be releasing our weekend analysis podcast separate from our interviews, which means more episodes each week that are more easily digestible for you as a listener. Um, we, we did this because of some listener feedback. Um, so if you have any other ideas on how we can improve, please let us know, and we'll try to implement them. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and we hope you tune in next time to Pro Lacrosse Talk.